0: Well hello and welcome to a very special episode of Art House Rewind. I'm Matt. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And today we have a really special guest with us, but uh, we're going to keep that under wraps for right now before we reveal, remove the sheet in the room so everybody knows who he is. Uh, Because we want to tell you really quickly what's happening in Art House
1: land, Babcock land, lots of great stuff happening. Brian, let the people know what they've won. Well, at Art House this week, we are holding on to Marcel the Shell with shoes on for another week. Uh, Had a really great turnout, uh, even with that busy weekend last weekend. We still had a lot of people come out for that, so we want to give the people what they want. It's a great little family indie film, so take the kids, do all that. People of all ages coming in and enjoying it. Yeah. Then uh, we will be opening Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris on Friday, uh, one that we've had many people request and we were finally able to bring that one in so check that one out as well whether you like nice sweet comedies or if you're in the fashion world at all it's something you might want to check out uh then this weekend we've got a very special guest in to present uh both miracle valley on friday and the room on saturday for garbage day so um, all you fans of all things Greg Sestero, you should come out and check out those films. And then lastly, Thursday, we are kicking off our summer concert series. So, Alive After Five ends this week, so next week we will bring in a couple concert films, starting with Monterey Pop on Thursday. So check that one out And as if people well. aren't familiar with Monterey Pop, what do they need to know about that? Uh, so that was uh, filmed during the summer of love. And uh, it's just a great compilation of greats from that time. You got Janis Joplin. You got Jimi Hendrix. You got The Who. You've got Otis Redding. You've got Simon and Garfunkel, like... Just a great sort of celebration of some of the best musicians of the 60s. Something for everybody. Yeah, I like it. So,
0: uh, you brought it up already, but drumroll, please. Ladies and gentlemen, do we have... There it is. (laughs) Official drumroll, please. We have Greg Sestero here with us in the studio. Thanks for being here, sir.
2: Absolutely. Oh, hey, guys. Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for coming to Billings, Montana.
2: Hey, I'm so stoked to be here. I, I was here in June of 2019 when I just started sort of forming the idea to make a horror movie. Um, and I got a chance. Montana was on my bucket list for years, and so I'm so thankful to you guys. You brought me up, and I got a chance to to go all around. But I love the Babcock Theater. It's everything I love about cinema. I love the way it's placed downtown, and it was really inspired. Last time, I was like, "Hey, I really want to come back to Montana and go make this horror film." And so I spent basically all that time making this new movie, and then of course, uh, you know, the pandemic happened. So. We've had a chance to work on it, and um, I've been looking forward to coming back. So I'm stoked to be here.
0: That's awesome. So we got this. uh, It was a previous staff member that was here, but I remember sitting around this staff table at a meeting, and she her name Brittany. She was like, "Uh, "Greg Sestero is talking about wanting to come to Montana, and like it felt this. I mean, we're." We're fans and all this stuff, so it was like, she was like, should I trust it? Should I answer it? I don't feel like, I don't know if this is legit. And it was like, eh, let's see what happens. And it ended up, I mean, for us, was a really, really positive experience, like, just everybody saying how how great it was. So I'm I'm excited to meet you, because I, for whatever reason, didn't get to connect with you last time you were here. Yeah, done, that's
2: so. right. No, it's, I love coming to places that celebrate movies and, and love theater, and um, like I was saying, your programming is, is amazing. It's got all my favorite movies lined up in it, so... That's part of the joy of when you make movies, you want to show them in the places where people appreciate them, especially uh, a horror movie that I think is fun with a crowd, like getting a chance to tour with the room and the disaster arts. You really get to know when, what an audience, you know, what piques their interest and what, what gets them going. So when I was making uh, Miracle Valley, you know, we made something genuine it's kind of a throwback to the seventies horror, like Texas Chainsaw and the Hills Have Eyes, but you always want to make sure you're, you're making something that's fun for a crowd to sit and enjoy together, so when we've tested the movie with an audience and there's a lot of laughs' um, random I didn't think there was any humor in it i seemed, <laughs> I seem to be in movies that find unintentional yeah. comedy yeah. but um You know, after being here at the Babcock and showing Best Friends, I feel like this audience will really appreciate it.
0: Yeah, cool. Cool. I think that's, I mean, for us and for everybody with the pandemic, there's a question of does cinema matter? Like going to a movie theater and you talk about that experience of like we can all watch a movie at home and have an experience and have our certain thoughts. But the minute you're in a crowd with a room full of strangers, like we talk about, like you're laughing at things you weren't laughing about. There's a tension that like someone else is scared of what's going on. And all of a sudden that kind of bleeds over to you. And you're like, I'm a little scared compared to like you just being at your home. It's a completely different experience. So it's really cool that like, Rather than trying to just push this to streaming as a film exhibitor, like, we love the idea that, like, a believer in in the work that we're doing and all that kind of stuff. Oh, totally. That
2: was one of the things where they're like, hey, the movie's ready. Let's throw it out there. People need stuff to watch. And I was like, there's no way that I want to just put this on streaming. I feel like you work so hard for the cinematic experience. Any movie that I've seen over the years, like, you know, seeing Back to the Future for the first time, Empire Strikes Back... All those things you remember because you saw them in the theater. Yeah. You know, I imagine seeing like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade on your TV, um, you know, just on your laptop. It's just not going to have the same impact. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, one of the movies I did see for the very first time. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. Is First Blood. Okay. okay. Um, and I just I I can't even imagine having seen that with like a packed crowd opening what night. That would have it been just that. would have been yeah. so much more impactful, and I, if you're going to put the effort in to make something cinematic with the landscape and all that, it's just going to be so much more appreciated when you see it with a crowd on the big screen.
0: Totally agree. So you are not only starring in this film, but writer director as well, correct?
2: (laughs) Yeah. I was like, uh, you know, do it all. My my old buddy made a movie called the room where he did that. And you see his (laughs) name show up like five times in the opening credits written by produced by. So I was like, "Uh Oh, it's a personal story. Uh, so anyway, I learned a lot through every project i've made, and when it came to making miracle valley i I did something really uh strange and i I tend to like go on a whim and trust my instinct, but there was this random person who reached out who's like i'd only mentioned that I wanted to make a horror film maybe like w- in one interview. And he said, I know your next thing you want to do is make a horror movie. We have the perfect location for you. And he started sending photos of this like ranch in the middle of nowhere in this valley in this canyon. He's like, this house is available. It's a perfect set. You have all the views out the window. So I was like, damn, this is, he just kept, kept sending it to me. I'm like, you know, what if I just, I'd been on the road for so long and been crazed. I was like, what if I just took a sabbatical and went to this place in the middle of nowhere and imagined a horror movie, wrote the script in that environment, and then made the film there. So I packed up all my stuff and just moved to the middle of nowhere, Arizona. And uh, drove down there, didn't really even know what I was getting into. So I pull in, and uh, the dude's there, and he's like, hey, welcome, let me show you the house. And then he's like hanging up at the house, and I was like, okay, cool, the first day. And then like the second day, he's hanging out. I was like... (laughs) I remember looking around and I'm like, and I was like, hey, I'm gonna start writing. What's the like the Wi-Fi code? And he goes, <laughs> We don't we don't do that up here. Yeah. <laughs> we just like to keep everything natural. And I remember sitting at the desk going, like, should I just leave? Maybe this was just a bit-cause I, I was like, how am I gonna write? Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so I just took a drive to clear my head, and I'm driving down this like beautiful canyon exploring, and I came across this like huge abandoned church in the middle of nowhere. It looked like a European style church which made no sense being um, here and it was abandoned it was just like this huge dome and then hollow on the inside like everything had been taken out so I pulled up to it it said no trespassing and it was like really windy and, and quiet and these two guys like come out and approach me and they're like hey man what you can't be here it's no trespassing private property I'm like I just, you know what is this thing and he's like oh it was a cult in the 60s where the whole town rallied around this preacher who said he could bring back people from the dead based on their blood type. And they were started telling me more and more stories. And I'm going like, this is why I came down here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't hear it, but you can't find this stuff. So yeah. I was like talking to them and getting ideas. And they're like, you know, are you interested in joining? It's going to come back stronger than ever. We're talking. And I was like, Oh, let me, wow. I'm new to the area. Let me think about it. Let me think about it. Yeah. So I started taking all these notes and then I drove up further and I came across this incredible, it looked like a movie set. It was this abandoned street gas station, that had all these old stores with all these vintage cars parked on it. Like just, it was a movie set sitting there in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I went in there. I'm like, we ha- I have to film here. There has to be a scene that happens. And there's this like st- studio and this photographer had moved there from New York and he used to shoot all the covers of Rolling Stone back in like the '80s. And mm-hmm. I'm like, w- like, what is this place? He's like, oh, it's my street. And I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, really? I was like, where'd you get all these old cars? Like, I don't like. And he's like, oh yeah. He's, and then, no joke. We were talking about movies, and I brought up, uh, like, what I what I'd written. I was like, the disaster artist. He's like, oh yeah. I went to go see that opening night. Isn't that about the guy who made a really bad movie? I was like, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, he's like, hey, you seem like a cool guy. You film here whenever you want. Like, really? Just show up and film. Cool. Wow. And, and so. We ended up you know, going – so there was one location after the other that was just like – it felt like you're in an old-school Tarantino horror film. Yeah. So I just kept getting more and more inspired. The more I'd find these places – I wrote the script in like nine or, nine or ten days. So I lived this movie. I would drive to these locations, imagine where the scenes would happen. And so by the time we got to filming, I'd already directed the movie in my mind. Mm. You know, I'd already had it planned out where the streets, the lights, what it was going to look like. And then I was like, you know, instead of getting another actor, maybe I should just be in it. Yep. So I ended up being the writing, producing, directing thing. And it was the one time where I really just didn't even think about acting. I just had a good time and played myself. Yeah. Um, but like any shoot, is, there's, there's challenges. And I didn't know in Arizona, and the you, probably same thing with here, come November, the temperature's at night. just like <laughs> yeah. So I'm like in a T-shirt. I'm like, this is going to be the easiest shoot. So <laughs> many scenes, I froze to death. Um, and there's a lot of like you know the shivering
0: some... in the movie isn't
2: terror it's you just yeah me. i was <laughs> like i'm gonna use this and try to you know maybe it'll yeah. make my performance better but uh no we had a great time making like i said it was it was just kind of an ode to, to 70s horror like texas chainsaw and and, and really cults cool. you know i tried to so the the movie the movie title miracle valley is based on the true story of that cult yeah so yeah hopefully they uh see this movie and really love it that's really cool
0: <laughs> it's it's fascinating to me i i you know not being in the industry on the level you are thinking about like you make a movie based on being inspired by a location when, you know, most people would probably think the opposite. You think about it and then you have to create the location, you know? And so it's kind of cool that you've, and and even telling a little bit of a historical tale and all that stuff in the actual place, being inspired by it, you know, that's really cool. That's awesome.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point because a lot of times you sit, you know, and you create that world, then you got to go find it. But yeah. what was so cool about, you know, driving through Lake Powell and just seeing this beautiful is like, there, there's a scene that's going to take place at, at this lake because I want, you know, I want to be in this world. And so it sort of motivates you in a different way. Um, yeah. And it, it moves the process along a lot faster because you know what you have. So therefore, you know what kind of story yeah. you can tell. Um, and that was that was really helpful.
1: Yeah, cool. Cool. So uh, you mentioned Texas Chainsaw a bunch right now. Um, and even before you even really conceived a Miracle Valley, you kind of wanted to do a horror film, or at least people thought you wanted to do a horror <laughs> film. And uh, so I was just curious, um, other than Texas Chainsaw, what have been some of your influences? And what is your history with horror just in general?
2: So I think the first movie that terrified me and fascinated me was Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, three. I think there's a few scenes in that where I was like, you know, you don't want to look, but you're fascinated. Yeah. In it. So that started it. And then of course the I was I dressed up as Jason from Friday the Thirteenth for Halloween. <laughs> so there was that. Uh, and then I think as it went on, I loved John Carpenter. You know, obviously the original Halloween. I live right down the street from where they filmed it in the house, in Michael Myers yeah. house. It's always good to go get coffee and just walk <laughs> by this spot. Uh, I think a movie that in the theater really was what I think the horror experience should be was a movie called the strangers, which came out in like 2007, mm-hmm. 2008. Um, I was with my girlfriend at the time and we had just seen another movie. Uh, and we got out and there was like these, these cops sitting out front of this theater, like checking ID. There's this huge line. It was all crazy. We walked up to see what it was, and then the cops like, come in, come in. So we were just like, oh, all right, we'll just go in. No idea what it was for, what it was. So we went in, and it was packed, and we were sitting in the top left corner, and we're like, did we just do something wrong? Like, <laughs> And so so the movie's about to start, and there's this guy with a flashlight, like, shining light, like, looking for somebody, and we're like, oh, no. Yeah. We just kind of sank, in the scene, and the movie started. So there was the panic of, like, oh, my God, we're going to get, like, in trouble for this. Mm-hmm. Something bad happened. And then the movie starts and then you're totally engaged with what's happening. So it made it even more terrifying. And I just that experience stood out so much in in seeing a horror movie. That's the the Strangers was a very big inspiration because the idea of couple going away that, you know, being terrorized. And and I was always fascinated with like the Manson murders. (laughs) And so it's sort of this culmination of um, that type of that type of film.
0: Cool. That's really cool. So you, uh, obviously this is your first directorial debut, right? Um, and so are you, do you enjoy directing? Is that something you want to continue to do? Or was it, this is my story. I just need to like carry this one through and we we'll, and then I'm going to get back to what I was doing before. Is that something you want to
2: continue? Yeah. Directing to let... there were, there was moments where it was so much fun. And yep. then there's moments where you're just, everybody's relying on you to tell yep. the scene. And there's times where like, if you're acting in it too, you're a little off. And I think so. So for me directing, it's super important to have a great first AD. Yep. Um And I was lucky that um, one of the other Franco brothers, so I've worked with all three of them now, uh, Tom helped on this movie and oh, they, cool. they just really helped with, uh, with organizing a few scenes. But one of the things I love to do directing that I noticed uh, is in certain scenes, you get through it, you rehearse it. They're, they're, they're doing the scene, they kind of know what's coming and you're getting some decent stuff. What I always try to do is pull an actor aside and have them go in and completely change the scene and not tell the other actor that it's going to happen. And I started pulling that trick and it completely changed huh. scenes that of things we needed that I didn't really know. There's a moment where, you know, characters having an argument and they're they're um, It's, it's a scene again, they know what's coming and she completely changed her motivation <laughs> It stunned the other actor. We kept it going, and it was most of that stuff that we that we when we did that we used. Yeah, Yeah, I was like, tell one character during a scene, just go in the middle of it, just break the most important thing that they're protecting, and they won't they won't expect it. Yeah. So you really see if an actor is like really knows what they want to be doing. So it just it made the whole set fun because everyone behind the camera knew that what was going to happen. Yeah. So on those days, I really enjoyed that. But uh, directing is it's a massive undertaking, and I think. It worked for this time because we shot the entire movie handheld on Ari and so when you're doing handheld it's a lot quicker to move and try different things so <laughs> uh, I really enjoyed it and I hope uh, to do more of it cool. uh, in the future cool
0: and been good good response so far I mean you've you've kind of premiered it at different places around the country so far and people yeah are no
2: it's funny it. we did a we did a thing in, in Missoula so there's a mm-hmm. I, I can't really mention this there's a Mon, uh, act, uh, Montana actor in this movie oh cool oh. who I cast three weeks before filming <laughs> I was in a I did uh, a show in Missoula, Montana where we're sometimes at these events hopefully we can do it here we read a scene from the room's original script yeah. Yeah. and it's so insane and terrible in a beautiful way that's different than the movie it's like a different version of the movie huh. so we bring audience members to come up we read a scene and so in Missoula this one guy came up and he I was trying to cast the role in Miracle Valley as my, my good friend we couldn't really find the right the right mix so this guy comes up and he reads the role of Peter and just like crushes it, like the audience laughing. I was like, this guy's like funny in a, in a, in a way that's refreshing. He kind of had a little bit of like a Ivy League Seth Rogen kind of vibe, and I just thought he seemed just really clever and cool. And I was like, hey, um, really impressed with what you did. I'm making a horror movie, super random, but would you want to, you know. There's a role that I think you'd be really yeah. good for. He's like, yeah. huh, the real movie? <laughs> it was like, <laughs> yeah. it was so random. Yeah. And so I said, yeah. So we had coffee. I sent him the script. And he sent me the most professional audition tape. Like wow. fully hmm. recorded, other actors in it. And I sent it to a few other people. And they're like, hire him. Yeah. Like, he's great. Yeah. And so it was I was like, yeah, dude, you're you're in. And so he came down to the set. And he was like far and away the most most prepared Good wardrobe choices, great ad lib. Like working with him was some of my favorite scenes. Like wow. it was just, he was great. And it, so to me, it's it's the power of like there's so many people out there that just don't get a chance mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. can do something great. And so his name's Jesse Brenneman, but he was a pleasure to work with. And um, so there's some Montana blood uh, I like it. in this film. Nice. Yeah. I like Love it. it.
3: Yeah. So I guess out of those different roles you played for this movie, what was the most rewarding? like chunk was it acting was it directing was it you know the writing
2: i think it really it was the journey of living down there and driving and seeing these amazing places and and finding a way to put them on into a story and creating a world so i'd say the writing was probably what i took away from it because in my mind this you know living in the environment writing about the environment and seeing it come to life it's weird like living in your house and then imagining these crazy scenes happening and then they happen and you're there at night and you're doing it and then it exists i think um and it was funny during the pandemic i was living in that house i i just had the house to make the movie and then i got out of there because like the whole that's that's a whole other side movie what happened with the ranch guy but so i i was like i'm out of here great then the pandemic happened i went back there to live and so i'm watching the the rough cut in the house that we made it in the living room. So it was very meta. But I think writing and and just sort of living it and creating it was probably the most rewarding.
0: Yeah. Cool. So you brought up the room, obviously. So uh for us, not only are we excited to be able to, you know, show your film and have you here, that's a I think a big piece for the work we want to do as art house in our community, like movies are, are a cultural narrative for everybody everybody's got a, some level of connection with film but the idea of connecting film with artists that there's, there's an artist there's people behind this you know uh, is really fun so we're so glad that you're here from Miracle Valley but then on top of that that you're sticking around an extra day <laughs> to do a special screening of the room and just be in town for that so something you've done a lot of continue to do in a lot of ways and, and uh, we're really really excited so Brian mentioned it it's a part of what we call Garbage Day which yeah. is our uh, program that we're doing just the really really bad films that again they need to be seen in a in a room full of people and uh that's just the best way to see it you can watch it at home and feel the first time i watched the room i was by myself and it was like this weird awkward experience totally. I was like, it's a little disturbing <laughs> yeah and it was like i i get why this is hailed as the worst movie ever but like i don't know that i need to see it again and then we did it at art house uh for the first time and we're a crowd full of people and i it just clicked yeah and i've heard you talk about like it's almost like going to a concert when you go to a room screening so you've done probably hundreds of these at this point yeah i would probably, assume probably still enjoy them are you are, is the gas tank running low or is there something so, so about for it for me you you really it's it's enjoy?
2: never about the movie it's about like the audience yeah. and, and meeting new people and, and, and i'm just as curious About your experience, you know, as you probably are about the making of the room. Because I I love to know how people discovered it, their friends, what they think about it. Because I was that guy. Like, you know, I met Tommy in an acting class and I'm like, I I just got to find out, like, what's this guy's deal? And so, like, becoming friends and then having that rough cut and showing my family and watching their reaction. It's always (laughs) been this very, um, you know, communal type experience. So, it was never a movie that I thought this is like a starring role. It's going to go, it was, it was more of like a weird home video you made with like your cousins that all of a sudden leaked out. So it's always been a fascinating angle for me. Um, I don't, I never really watched the movie. I'm always like meeting people, talking about it. And then as soon as those sex scenes starts, I I run for the, (laughs) I run, but uh, no, it's always, it's always fascinating. It's always a way to bring people into your world of work and introduce them. And, I love when there's first timers because yep. you get to see the expression on their face. But it's one of those things that the movie comes alive that's in a way that's really watchable. Yep. Because it's you're, you're watching some a filmmaker, a guy who had never made a movie, really try to make something earnest and powerful. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the greatest bad movies come from. Mm-hmm. When you don't have that quite ex- that experience, there's an innocence and you just go for it. And um I think that you know, if you try to make a, a bad a bad movie, it's it's obvious. But what's so great about the room, you know, you're you're all of a sudden there's like, you know, a love triangle, there's people playing football in tuxedos, there's people that characters that come in we, we have never been introduced to, and then there's actors that like change halfway through. So it's it's just Everything you don't do when you make a movie, and I think that's what makes it, like, the greatest yeah. bad movie because it's, more, it's so watchable.
0: Yeah. I You know, as, uh, you know, staff members at Art House, we're always trying to convince people to come to our stuff. But there's something about the room screenings that there's, a, you know, like, no, seriously, you have to come. Like, yeah. I know I say this for all the films we play, but this is one you you just – you can't you talk can't even about it describe it, it. it's
1: yeah. just you need to see it to believe it see you know, it in a room full yeah. of people is just the the way to do it so gentlemen yeah. any any final questions uh so with garbage day so we just launched it this year the other films i've done are troll 2 and uh Miami connection and i was curious if you've enjoyed some great best of the worst films and uh you know what are ones that have really stuck with you as far as that genre of best worst movie as, yeah <laughs> as an authority on the subject of yeah. great bad movies
2: so it's funny you mentioned troll too because i became friends with george hardy a couple of years ago mm-hmm. we made a movie called sist okay that just came out um streaming he he plays a mad scientist trying to create a Assist machine, cyst removal machine. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's as insane as it sounds. I love that you couldn't even get through it. And uh, <laughs> I had a chance joy. to stay at George Hardy's house. Yeah. He's a dentist mm-hmm. in Alabama, and um, I got a chance to stay with him down there. We went out, golfed, and rode on the lake. I mean, it was, he's a super nice guy. So it's funny that you mentioned yeah. Troll Two. Um, I think you know what uh, the room is going to be twenty this year. Yep. yep, which is crazy, and I and I think it's it's just as hard. In a way, to make something that bad that's that great as it is to make something that's that great that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you'd rather be on, I'd rather, you know, obviously, Back to the Future is sort of the the goal, but there's just a a weird connection of something that it's got to draw you in where you see what like the characters are trying to be, but it doesn't quite land. So for me, I discovered a movie when I was just starting out acting called Johnny Swade. And I was like, you know, I'd seen like Brad Pitt's movies that I really love, like Seven and obviously, but this was like when he was first starting and the movie is trying to be like a deep David Lynch noir Mm -hmm. art film. And like Brad Pitt is like a sick, like a huge pompadour of hair. And he's like at this payphone trying to get a shoe off the top of it. And I'm like watching it. I was like, okay, (laughs) I need to keep watching. So I recorded it on VHS back then when you can record TV on VHS. Um, and I would watch it over and over. There's Katherine Keener's in it. Samuel Jackson's in it for six seconds. Wow. <laughs> he has like half a line. And uh, <laughs> it's this guy trying to be like a musician, like Ricky Nelson. It's just so awkward and like funny in weird places. Um, and there's just some of those scenes where you want to rewind and watch them over and over because yeah. they're so ridiculous. So I would say Johnny Suede was a movie that I would watch. I've never even heard of it. Have you heard of it, Brian?
1: I've heard of it. I didn't know anything about it. Just knew the the, name.
2: So the filmmaker he made a cool first movie, and this was like his second. Okay. And Brad Pitt, um, like, so it gave me hope. I'm like, if Brad Pitt got through this, you know, there's you can (laughs) have skeletons (laughs) in your closet. and Hopefully, try to keep going. But yeah, no one talks about it. I think it came at a time where. Obviously, a movie popped or it didn't. There was no like the internet or anything. Yeah, like there was no mm-hmm. place for it to. Yeah, live outside so it's either it worked yeah. or didn't. It just it, yeah. it escaped. But Katherine Keener's in it, and she was she was great in even that. So, huh. um, but yeah, if you get a chance Johnny's to watch Sweet. it, johnny
0: got to find it. Jake, one final question?
3: Yeah, I would say so. I mean, I think you helped. So my my wife and I were lucky enough. We got to watch The Disaster Artist first and then see The Room together with the crowd. (laughs) And I really think like you completed the entire puzzle for us in the sense of we really enjoy The Disaster Artist as a film. And, you know, like there's no way this is real. And then getting to watch The Room and see the other side of it. So I was curious when you have people that have not had either film, is there a way that you – push them to watch you push them to read the book. Like how, how do you go about people that have no clue what you're talking about when you say, Oh, I'm, I'm in the room.
2: So it's funny. Um, when we were doing test screenings for the disaster artist early on, some of the early remarks where there's like, there's ha ha. It's a Seth Rogen, just James Franco comedy. There's no way this is like a real, yeah. like crazy. It's creative. What a, you know, cool story. And they're like, no, this is a true story. Nobody in the audience believed it. So they had to put it at the beginning based on a true story. Um, because it's just too wacky to believe. So I think the best way, as you did, is bring them in through the good movie first, where they feel, you know, they can laugh in the right way. They can get behind the characters and, and have those questions. Is this real? Where can I find this thing? You know, because The Room is very much like a, an alien, came down to Earth, studied humanity, went back, <laughs> made a film. So it's it's much more engaging that way, I feel like. Um, because then you want to seek out and see the room with a crowd, because the way the disa- disaster artist shows it, it shows how much fun you can have with a crowd watching yeah. the room. Yeah. So I think if you're a reader, I think the book's a great way to to come in, or the audio book, because I got a chance to narrate it and basically play Tommy, which was a lot of fun. <laughs> so that's a, that's a fun way to do it. Um, but yeah, seeing the disaster artist is is a good good entry level, because then you're like you're actually seeing something of quality that makes sense. Because if you're or, you know, if you've got a group of friends and they're bringing you to a, to a live screening of the room and you're just going to go in that way, have a few drinks with friends. I think that's also a really great way because then your your mind's blown and then you're like, how do I find out more about this? And then you get a chance to watch the film. So if you can see the room with a crowd with like in a comfortable setting with friends, you know, in a theater. That's an interesting way. Or if you can't do that, then I think see the disaster artist. Thanks, like well, get,
0: get, get give yourself a chance to be in on the joke a little bit I think is how uh, i would I would say it so
2: well, sir, thank
0: you so much for being here. Thanks for coming to Billings, Montana, of all places on planet Earth. Here anytime. Anytime. So, um, we are honored to have you. So uh, if you're listening to this, do not miss out on Miracle Valley, happening on Friday at 7, seven o'clock. And then The Room is happening on Saturday at 7 o'clock. Seven o'clock. Just <laughs> 7 straight up yeah. all around. So, <clears> Just one number to remember. Just quiet. one number. Friday <laughs> and Saturday, you have plans, everybody. Uh, we hope to see you guys there. Other than that, if there's anything uh, that you want to reach out, obviously social media or you can email us at podcast at All right, Thank you so much everybody for all your support Greg, good to meet you and we will see everybody hopefully on Friday and Saturday. Bye! Bye.